Welcome to Sanctified in Truth with Michael York, a ministry of the Fairview Baptist Church in Ashland, Kentucky. Sanctified in Truth is a daily podcast for followers of Christ who desire to imitate Him and to dedicate ourselves fully to the plans God has for us by deepening our love and understanding of God's Word. Today's passage is Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 to 14. As always, I want to encourage you to read the passage before you listen to the podcast. Genesis chapter 17 is one of the most important passages in the Bible. It's the third time God has formally affirmed His promise with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, God promises Abraham, then Abram, a great nation. In Genesis 15, God promises Abram that the great nation will come through a son. God takes it on Himself to ensure this will happen. Now, God invited Abram to formally enter into a covenant with him. In our day and age, we're more accustomed to contracts, and the idea of covenants is more foreign to us. Perhaps the best way to think about them is that a covenant is about my promise to you, whereas a contract is about your promise to me. For instance, I have a contract with a bank for a loan on my house. Their focus is whether or not I pay them a monthly installment on the loan. If I break my contract with the bank for a mortgage, they're going to take my house. However, a covenant is deeper. The form of covenant that's most familiar to us in our day and age is that of marriage. Marriage, for it to work, is far more than a contract. It's not just what you do for me, it's what I do for you. Both partners in a marriage will fail. Both of them will make mistakes, but their mistakes and their failures do not automatically nullify the marriage the same way that failures and mistakes can automatically nullify a contract. You see, for a marriage to flourish, each spouse must concentrate on what they should do for the other, not what the other should do for them. So what God is doing here is God is inviting Abram into a relationship with him. Abram cannot make this offer to God. Only God can initiate the covenant. The relationship must be on his terms. Just think of the story of Genesis. Humanity has repeatedly, not once or twice, repeatedly rejected God's offers of grace to them. They cannot now come to God and extend an offer for terms of peace. God introduces himself here as God Almighty. This is who he is. We can take his offer or we can leave it but there is not a bargaining session. So what is the covenant that God makes? God says that the responsibility of Abraham and his descendants is to walk before God, that is, to orient their entire life to his presence and to be blameless or whole. In return, God would be their God. He would dwell with them and live in a relationship with them. Think about the conditional nature of this. God promises to be in relationship with anyone who wants a relationship with Him. This cannot be automatic. People are not born into this. But they must delight in Him, and He will be their God. This is the promise that God extends to us in Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 6, All the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. This is what God is saying to Abram, to his descendants that he will be their God, but they must be his people. As we seek to think through the meaning, implications, and applications of this passage, we want to ask ourselves our three basic questions. 
Question number one, what does this passage tell me about God? God does not come to Abraham after a great success of faith in Abraham's life to make this promise. He does it after a great failure. This is the grace of God. He does not offer himself to us because of any worth or any merit in us, but because of the abundance of grace within himself. The second question we want to ask is, what does this passage reveal to me about myself and about humanity in general? Well, this story illustrates why it's so important to read the Bible in the context that God gives us. If we read this story independent in the book of Genesis, if we read it divorced from its context, we could easily conclude that we can only have a relationship with God if we, quote, walk before Him and are blameless. In other words, it would be easy for us to think we have to earn the relationship. But don't forget the story of Genesis. Abram believed God, and God counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham has already entered into a relationship with God by faith, and now God is saying how, in faith, that relationship is to be lived out. Throughout the book of Genesis, we've seen people trying to get to God themselves. Adam and Eve ate the fruit thinking it would make them like God. Cain tried to come to God on his own terms. The people before the flood were trying to make their name great. The people of Babel were seeking to build a mountain-like tower to reach God in the heavens. None of those worked. The only thing that was possible was God coming to them, God coming to us. We cannot earn a relationship with God, and we cannot keep a relationship with God in our own strength. But by His help, we can and will live in fellowship with Him because He helps us fulfill the terms of the covenant that he has established for us in Christ. The third question we want to ask is, what does this passage call me to do? The sign of the covenant is that of circumcision. This is certainly curious. Why would God demand this of his people? There have been many guesses as to what the significance of the circumcision was, and I don't think it's right to think that it's one thing. Blood was shed as a reminder of the curse of sin. This is a permanent act, not something that was fleeting. It was a sign that if the human did not keep their part of the covenant, they would be cut off. There are many things we can infer from this fact, this practice. But at the core, this was a reminder of God's promise to send a seed. Circumcision did not save and did not necessarily entail faith. For instance, what we'll see in tomorrow's reading is Ishmael was circumcised, but there was no evidence he ever followed God. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul helps the church see circumcision was the sign of the old covenant, but in the new covenant in Christ, we've been given a new sign of the covenant, baptism. In his commission to the church, Jesus calls them to baptize disciples. Like circumcision, baptism does not save, it is a sign of faith. Circumcision was a sign of faith looking forward to the seed that God would send, and baptism is a picture of faith looking back to Jesus and imitating His death and resurrection. Just because baptism does not save us does not mean it's not important. It's a sign of faith and an act of obedience commanded for all those who have put their faith in Christ. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode of Sanctified in Truth. Join us tomorrow as we'll discuss Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, to Genesis chapter 18, verse 15. 
May everything you say and everything you do today seek to honor God. Whatever you do, take comfort and know that Jesus has already prayed for you, that you would be sanctified in truth. Ah. Uh-huh.